Welcome everyone, this is the second uh, community event of the SBC Gaming Podcast, of SBC Gaming Discord. We will be recording this, and uh, you're, you will be able to go and hear it on the SBC Gaming Podcast at a later date. Um, I am joined by Slaminger here, who is a good friend of, this, of the community, and a pretty much, I would say, single board computer developer renaissance man he's got you know he's got several different builds i knew him when he was developing rot uh which was retro pie on the tinker board and now he's the head of the retro arena the head dev which is you know a big competitor to retro pie and he also developed his own uh build his own Android TV based build called Slash TV, among other things, and he just keeps branching out into different, di- different, uh, you know, different operating systems, different devices. So, um, but I think it's enough from me. How about you go and tell me a little bit about yourself, Slamder? So, tell everyone uh, what it is that makes you the greatest dev that I know. <laughs> I think um, it kind of ties into a subject that we were talking about earlier that you said wanted to save for this particular conversation and why I like to be a low-key dev and why I don't put my name on a lot of things. When I was first getting into the scene, I took a look at, um, I don't want to throw too many shots, but to name a couple, I'll say RetroPie and MAME. And I looked at their dev teams and I noticed that what they were doing, it had very little to do with wanting to actually play the game or enjoying it or even the community they were doing it for attention and i noticed that that was very detrimental so i decided when i started doing this that i was going to intentionally be the opposite and try to stay away from attention and just do what i do quietly okay well i mean i don't i can't fault you on that retropie is kind of the name brand when it comes to gaming on a single board computer. However, and, and uh, honestly, I don't think it's the best option that, anymore. No, there's a lot of different alternatives now. I mean, for RetroPie, for what it is, it was the first one, and so it deserves respect for that, obviously. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying it's terrible. It's just that there's now other choices and things have progressed a lot more. There's m- many more boards. RetroPie is a very limited scope in terms of what it runs on it, what it covers. And there's probably 80 different single board computers by now. Not only that, but RetroPie itself, I think, feels more and more dated because, you know, I'm seeing more from all the, all these other devs, including you. You know, I- I'll name I'll name an example. Uh, Recalbox. Uh, they went and put in, um, they went and put in partitions that are readable by windows, uh, when you create, when you format your micro SD card so that you could just pop your SD card into your computer or solid state drive and, uh, drag and drop the ROMs. Like, why don't we have this with RetroPie? You know, that sort of thing. So I'm thinking that RetroPie is starting to get more and more limited in what features it provides. My honest opinion on that would kind of go back to the the Pi 4 and how long it took for anything to actually happen 
from RetroPipe. It seems like even though that they knew the device was coming a long time before it actually happened, they were still nowhere near ready for its release, and it took like what a year, realistically almost for a real RetroPipe release. I I would say so. It took a while. I think that the thing that really bothered me about that. Um, are you familiar with Electromaker, the the reviewer, with the website? Yeah, yeah. They, um, I think Electromaker IO actually just went and uh, gave us a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a bump on the SBC Gaming Podcast uh, on the Twitter. So. There's actually um, an article from Mo from Electro. He had an, a retro pie build that I made for the Pi Four. And this was back in the summer of 2019. It was just a beta proof of concept that I made to show that it was easily doable. But for the real release to come out, it took like eight or nine months later. And I don't understand why, because it didn't, there was nothing really different about it. it just, and it wasn't even all yeah, that, it wasn't even that stable originally. No, it's, well, that's also part of the Raspberry Pi Foundation's fault because they didn't, um, they didn't have the greatest software or driver support for it at first and they really don't care about retro gaming or retro pie their focus is learning so they don't exactly help retro pie that is true i mean yes they'll go and uh talk about some of those projects on their main website and they'll go and say hey uh you know check out this you want to build an arcade cabinet take a look at what this guy did with a 3d printer and some and some uh hardware and retro pie yeah but uh, I mean, RetroPie is good for what it is. It's just that it's it's old, and I don't see anything new coming out of it, and I haven't in a long time. I agree. I agree. Um, so why don't we go ahead and start getting with some of the questions, and I'll be asking some of my own personal questions as well. But sure. uh, we'll start with some of the uh, users' questions here, so. So Freeman asks, "When is the updated build Retro Arena ISO for Odroid Go Advanced Model One? When will it be released?" He wants the MP- well, MPV and SDL two functionality be fixed. To answer that question in a very direct. There's no point in me releasing a special build just for the Model 1 Odroid Go Advanced because all you have to do is drag and drop the file that I provide in there and then change the link through WinSCP or a terminal, and it's done. It, it works. So it's, it's really easy to do on your own. Okay. There's even instructions how to exactly what you need to do that go with it. So. Well, maybe we'll have to go and link those instructions afterwards. So. Yeah. So in the zip with SDL. So uh Smacks, who is a good friend and uh admin of the server, uh, you know, is one of my right hand right hand men. Um he says he wants to know what co- what devices you're currently develop uh, you know what devi- what devices you're currently developing for and which device is your current favorite. If there are any upcoming devices you're looking forward to or planning on targeting for development. All right. Well, for the devices I currently develop for, that's a pretty long list. Uh, there's the, for Ojoy, there's 
N2, N2+, plus, XU4, C2, C4, H2, H2+, plus, Odroid Go Advanced, and Odroid Go Super. And then I also developed for the CADAS BIM3, three LSPCs, the Fine RP64, and some of the Android images for the Pine Foam, the Powkitty X16 custom firmware. I'm waiting for my RGB10 and then I will be releasing firmware for that as well. Uh, Latte Panda Alpha, Tinkerboard, RG350L from Handbrick, uh, 351P and M, 280V, 351V. I'm waiting for my 300X as well. I developed for the NVIDIA Jetson Nano. I'm a contributor to Linux for Switch. I work with Libre Computer, where I work with Lafrit and the Potato, uh, NanoPi Fire 3, Atomic Pi. I also do some work for actual consoles themselves, not just uh, emulation devices. So I, I do some work with the actual Sega Saturn and Sega Dreamcast, as well as the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and Switch. So that's what I currently develop for. My favorite one, that's a tough question. Probably the H2 Plus or the NVIDIA Jetson Nano, specifically because the Jetson Nano has an incredibly powerful GPU mm -hmm. for that tiny port. And it also has X11, so the amount of different ports and things like that that you have access to is dramatically increased. You can probably get 150 different PC ports of different games. So I really like it because of that, and also because I've been able to successfully play Wii and GameCube. That gives it a big leg up in my opinion. With the H2 Plus, I like that it's x86 for the same things that I like about the Nano. You can get, because it runs Windows, you can get DirectX and things like that. You can expand and add an external GPU if you want to. You can add more crap to it. It comes with SATA connections for hard drives as well as another feature. And also, I was able to use it to replace a missing board in a Mario Kart GP arcade machine, which I replaced the thousand dollar board with a two hundred dollar board, so that was kind of hey, 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 Slam. I think uh, it's someone saying your mic's a little soft. Is that better? I think that's a little better. All right. All right. What was the last part of his question there? Uh, the last part uh, was oh, planning. What devices am I planning on targeting? Yeah, I see it now. Uh, well, obviously, as I said, I'm waiting for the RGB 10 Max and the 300X from Anverdic. But also, in at the end of next month, I'll be getting an AN Neo dev kit as well, so I'll be working on that. And um, I can talk more about that, but I remember seeing a question later about it, so I'll hold off and talk more about AN Neo later. That, that's a good idea. I think a lot of people would like to know about that device. Uh, I don't think it gets talked about quite as much as the infamous uh 199 handheld or even that brand new steam deck uh which uh valve just released i asked a question about that too actually yeah um and i'm not surprised though that you're that the jetson nano is one of your favorite devices to develop for because the jetson nano is based off of you know the shield tv it's the same kind of hardware uh essentially so the shield tv i own uh love the device i've I got the original 2015 model, got two of them. Um, 
NVIDIA keeps updating those devices, keeps adding in new features, um, and they're really powerful. So I'm not surprised. The uh, the TX1 and the Nano are also in the same family of chipsets. And so I've been able to use the Nano to help me with the Switch in some regards as well because it's similar, so a lot of things can be run on both boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because it's got the X, uh, the uh, Tegra X, uh, X1 processor. Yeah. So. And the GPU is in the same family of chipset. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I think what we'll do is uh, we'll move on to the next question. Appreciate that. Um, Red, uh, Russ from Retro Game Core, who we uh, had a similar AMA last week, asks, aside from hard kernel devices, what is your favorite handheld device to work on at the moment? Hmm. Emulation-wise, it's probably the 351V. But in general, I'd probably say I still like my Vita the best. And why? And why do you say the Vita? Because it's got a lot of potential with the GPU, despite the fact that it's a much weaker powered device. The GPU itself can do a lot more, and so we're seeing things like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and Bully and GTA Vice City and Manhunt and all sorts of games that were I really enjoyed when I was younger coming out, like PS2 games coming out on the Vita. And I really, I'm a really big fan of the PS2. It was a big part of my teenage years. So I, I have a very much a soft spot for those type of games. I had a PS2 myself. I remember some of those. Uh, Jack and Daxter was a favorite of mine. <laughs> yeah, it's a good game. Oh, also yeah. on the Vita subject too, I know Willie and some of the guys that do Daedalus as well. And the N64 emulator on the Vita has been coming a long way. Play a lot of games. Uh, uh, you're kind of dropping off a little. Oh, is that better? Yeah, it's better. All right. I was saying uh, Daedalus on the N64, or the N64 emulator Daedalus on the PS Vita runs a lot of games full speed now as well. So I like that too because it's. So. There's a lot you... of work that goes. Oh, go ahead. No, I was done. I was just saying there's a lot of work that goes into the Vita still. A lot of people are working really hard. And people like the flow and Renegade of Monty are people that I actually know and talk to, and they work really hard, despite the fact that a lot of people think that they're not really approachable, which I saw from a previous AMA. They actually are. They just get the same question 500 times, so they don't want to answer it over and over again. Hmm. If you have a unique question, they'll answer you. I hear you. No one likes going to be asked the same question 500 times. Um, you ever see the Austin Powers movie? I've seen all of them, yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? He's just like, you know, it's like, damn, three times. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, oh, I, I can't stand to be asked a question three times. It irritates me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, 500 times is worse. I get that. So, um, going, I guess, my next question, though, uh, I have a question about the Vita. So when you say the hardware is weak, but the GPU is good, why, why? when you say the hardware is weak, what are you comparing it to? Pretty much anything made in the last decade. It's got like less than 100 megabytes of RAM. It's got barely any onboard memory. It maxes out overclocked at 500 megahertz CPU. 
by anything modern standard, its hardware is crap. Wow. So you would say even like the uh, hardware wise, some of these like the 350, uh, sorry, 351 is more powerful. Outside of actual hardware, yes. But with the Sony put a lot more money and time into driver optimization. So Mm -hmm. things run better without the need for more hardware. Well, it's not being emulated, it's running natively. Yeah. So, but that, but that's interesting though. It's, you know, a hundred, wait, a hundred megs? That's it? That's all it has for RAM? I'm pretty Ooh. sure it only has like 64 or something like that. It's pretty tiny. Ooh, that's like my Pentium 4 computer back in the day. Um, oh, wow. I remember reading a Daedalus article with them saying they only had access to like 64 megabytes of RAM. So. Yeah, it's not like they could go and add in a, uh, the uh, N64 uh, expansion pack. Not easily. Yeah. But they do have games like Mario and Zelda running full speed, which, considering the Vita's lack of hardware, is impressive. And then you turn around and you look at, like, say, the um, NERK3326 device, and it struggles to run some of those same games, but mm-hmm. it has more than double the power of the hardware. And not only that, but it's it's a much newer chipset as well. So you would think it would run better, but it doesn't. Yeah. Well, it's again, it's optimization, it's drivers. You, yeah, you exactly. got to have that. Um, so we'll move on to the next question. Um, so uh, the great cripplers asks, I have heard that you'll be supporting the AN Neo in the future, in the near future. I would love to know what's planned for that device in particular. Um, from speaking to ETA Prime and some of the other guys that already have dev units, one of the big areas that needs focus is the performance and the APU tuner. There needs to be a, a sweet spot found in the wattage to figure out exactly how we can push it and where. But then on top of that, for obviously for Linux, everyone knows that, but also for Windows, I have my own pre-built emulation station package, which just has all of the emulators and themes and everything pre-built into a zip, so I can basically just drag and drop it into a build and have that become, it boots right into there. So that's a couple of the things I have planned for that. Um, really, though, there's a lot of different stuff I can do with that because of the power that it has. There's a lot of different emulators it can run. I know how I can get Mario Kart GP1 and 2 and F0AEX running, which would be the Nintendo Triforce arcade games. So, so stuff like that. But, I mean, isn't the Aya Neo basically a, you know, a computer at that point? It's running a 64-bit processor, you know? Um, it is, yeah. It's the drivers that need adjusting and tweaking. Hmm. So would you have a so your plan is to kind of have a build that runs uh that would replace the OS you know that you'd have to go and run the OS from a micro SD card or something I'm going to look into doing that but my initial plan was to first improve the stock OS and make it get better performance and get as much as it can out of the device and then fork off and do my own thing afterwards so what is the default OS, though? I mean, it looks like it'd be Windows based on everything that it mentions in the Indiegogo. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it is, is a variant of Windows. But honestly, 
despite the fact that some of the drivers will be lacking from Linux, I have the ability to port them over and create them on Linux. And I, nine times out of 10, when you want to run something, unless you're trying to run something that only runs on Windows, your better bet is Linux. Simply because it doesn't run a thousand things in the background, so it's not constantly eating all of your, you know, hardware. And what device do you think is going to be more more powerful? The the you know ultimately raw specs, the Steam Deck, or or this, the A Neo. That's actually a pretty tough comparison. I think that they'll be reasonably similar, but when you factor the OS into it, I. I'm really reluctant to trust Valve with their OS because I've seen some of their or used some of their products in the past and I was honestly less than impressed with them. So it's Really? The device looks the device looks cool but I'm reluctant to trust it. Well, I mean, you could also install Windows on both devices. Um, you know, I was going to go yeah, say exactly. that's more what, from, that's what I would do. Yeah, I was I was saying more from a raw hardware perspective. But, oh, well, then probably the, I mean, the Valve device is probably, I mean, I would trust their reputation as a manufacturer more, obviously. They're much mm-hmm. more established and they're much, they've been around a very long time. So I think I would trust them more overall in terms of just how, how established they are. The build quality is going to be better, which right, I yeah, expect that. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have access to a lot more resources than uh the neo which is a indiegogo um exactly funding Valve has a lot of money yeah yeah they they stopped the yeah, lot the joke is that valve stopped making games years ago and just only makes money yeah pretty much um i will say this though it does look like that the uh, neo might be a little bit more comfortable to hold yeah, actually, I do like the way that the Neo is set up. It is yeah. a very nice-looking device. Yeah, it's very similar to the uh, original RG350 in the in the thumbstick placement. Um, but, I mean, not everything's up at the very top corner. Uh, top, top corner, uh, the very top of uh, each side, so... Oh, you know what? Uh, you still there? Up, oh, looks like we lost him. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. I don't know what that was about. I couldn't hear you suddenly, so I left and rejoined. That is kind of weird. Yeah, no, Discord's weird sometimes. It, it is. What were we uh, talking about? I think we were talking about the Neo. We were talking about the comparison of the hardware, the raw I hardware. I was yeah, I was going to say that even though the on paper and in terms of manufacturing, the Steam or the Valve device might be better. I personally am still more drawn towards the Neo because I'm a developer. And when it comes to the Steam device, it would be basically done. So there's not that much for me to do except for customizing. Whereas with the Neo, I can help with the drivers, I can improve it, I can make my own kernel, and I, you know, I can just do more. 
Well, no one's saying you can't do that with the Steam device either. Yeah, I guess, but I don't really expect Valve to cough up all their sources. Uh, I haven't seen whether Valve's going to open source the device or whether it's closed source. Well, I mean, if it's running Steam OS, uh, well, then again, Steam OS does also have kind of uh, non-open source drivers, if I recall. Yeah. It really depends on which way they go with it. If it's closed source, it makes it harder to make your own OS. We don't, we don't have the information, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it might be a little bit more closed source. I think they'll open source some stuff, but not everything. But uh, whereas that's... with the Neo, I should be able to get everything. Should. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, remember you had issues with uh, RetroPie on the Tinkerboard. Yeah. You know. So. Um, We'll move on to the next question here. All right. So, uh, JetUp asks, which games do you typically play, Tess, when working on a device? Always found it interesting what people play first uh, when they're trying a device for the first time. You there? Might be having a little bit more technical difficulties. Hey there, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Right. Don't like- oh. Yeah, this has been... Uh, not fun. No, not Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. So, back to the question. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to the simple systems like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, I don't really have games. Like whatever's in the list. But for the harder-to-emulate systems like Dreamcast, PSP, uh, when it comes to Dreamcast, I always do Sonic Adventure and Crazy Taxi because they're some of my favorite games, and I know a lot of other people like them, so I make sure that those work. And then with PSP, I do God of War, even though I know it's never going to work on most of the boards, just because I try it anyway. (laughs) So, is it because uh, God of War is one of the most difficult to emulate games? Yeah, it doesn't work on almost everything, but it does work on, say, like the N2 Plus, or the Jetson Nano, or the H2 Plus. It needs the more powerful device. I I thought we saw that the 552 was going to work pretty well. It might. <laughs> I mean, like, you can make it work on weaker devices if you use frame skip and stuff, but then you... That defeats the purpose. Weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they were showing that it was... Um, I think that some of the uh, early uh, videos where they're showing off the device, it was running it uh, pretty much at full speed. So, but was frame skip on? I don't think so. Might not be too bad then. Yeah. Well, they're showing that they're showing the 552 as well as the uh, the fact that it has its own uh, air, you know, um, ventilation. So it's using, uh, you know, air cooling or fan. 
very similar to the switch so um we'll go ahead and move on to the next one so keg asks what are your thoughts on the valve steam steam deck do you think it'll have a positive or negative effect on the SBC handheld market as far as hardware and software development? Hey there. Yeah, I can hear you now. It's definitely Discord. I've used two different internet connections and it's still doing the same. Well, uh, did you hear my last question? Yeah, I heard it. Okay. Um, like I was saying earlier, I think it depends a lot on the drivers and support and whether or not it's open or closed source. Because if it's closed source as developers, we really can't do much with it. So it's not much we can really work on. Uh, in terms of retro gaming, if you only want to play retro gaming, I think that it would be incredibly overpriced. You're much better off buying a 351V or an OGS for dollars than you would be spending three or 400 to play retro games. So, I mean, you'd want to be buying it specifically to use for modern games, connecting to Steam. Well, what about the more powerful games like uh, GameCube or PS2? I mean, if you can run another OS that's not SteamOS, it might be okay, but I don't suspect that the SteamOS would have all the necessary driver support and ability to go in and do what you wanted to. All right, fair enough. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to another question on there. Uh, Keg also asks again, what device did you develop your first custom firmware for? Completed start to finish would have been Tinkerboard. Yeah, I remember but, that. But my first, the first time I started doing bits and pieces of custom firmware was on the PS3. Oh. And, and then long before I was doing stuff with Linux, I was doing Android ROMs for phones, specifically the Samsung S5, S6 Edge, S6 Edge Plus. Oh, One and what, what was the what was the ROM? Basically, what I was doing is I was taking, like, for the S5 and stuff like that, Samsung would end support, so they would stop at Android 7, Android Nougat. So when Android 8 and Android 9 source code came up, I would take it and I would port it to the device so that even though Samsung wasn't going to release another image, you could still get Android 8 or Android 9. Mm -hmm. Basically, I was just building custom updates for the device. So did you have your own flavor, your own spin on things like the UI, you know, like, like, you know, for Android yeah, development lineage? Yeah, that's how I got started playing with UIs. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly how I got started doing, like, that's how I knew what I was doing when it came to Slash TV, because I had already sat there and built many for different devices. I had sat there and picked them apart and figured them out. And when you're doing it for a phone, you don't have the luxury of, you know, where it's on an SBC and you can kind of do things in real time. You actually have to flash your phone over and over and over. Yeah. Just on yeah, and your Android uh, phone emulators and stuff like that can only go so far. Yeah, exactly. I'd be sitting in the recovery menu, flashing different zips that I'd be building on my PC over and over. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, at at the end of the day, now just with how Google's been handling that stuff, it's sometimes not even worth flashing uh, your own custom OS now. I see somebody said that SteamOS from, for the Steam Deck is based on Arch, but what I mean specifically is I know that it runs Steam, obviously, but can you leave Steam and go out to an Arch desktop and do whatever you want, like open a terminal, install drivers, 
I mean, I don't see why not. You know, isn't Steam OS just basically, uh, you know, Debian with uh, Steam installed and some custom drivers? I mean, if you can close Steam OS and go out into Linux and open a terminal and pull up a mouse and keyboard and actually type things and then you can install things, then yes, I think that you could probably do a lot with the uh, with the Valve device. I even have an Arch Linux build that's on the Odroid Go Advance. But mm. yeah, there's a lot that you can do with Arch Linux. Yeah, a lot of people like to say Arch Linux is Linux is like Linux on hard mode. <laughs> no, it's the thing about Linux is that it's there's probably twenty different versions of it, and even though some of them have, have a lot of similarities, there's also a lot of differences as well. So each one is its own individual. Yeah. Just because you know Ubuntu doesn't mean you can walk into Arch and you know not at all. I mean, yeah, uh, you, you're breaking up a little bit there, though, but I, I agree. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Uh, one of the examples is, you know, I, I think a good example, just from a regular user standpoint, the differences between running a Debian, you know, Debian, and running something that's based on Red Hat. You know, Debian uses their .deb files, you know, for uh, one sort of source of packaging, and then they go and yeah. use, uh, you know, uh, what is it that they RPM. use? Yeah, RP. Yeah, well, Red Hat uses RPM, and Red Hat also uses Yum, while you know uh, Debian uses apt-get. Yeah, and Arch would have Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Which is confusing because it's Pac-Man. It's not what you think when you're thinking of Pac-Man. Well, hey, you know what? There's a actual creature called a Pac-Man frog, so... And I'm sure it was named after the video game character. But uh, I only think of one thing when I hear Pac-Man, and it's not Linux. Yeah. Waka, 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 waka. So... I guess let's let's uh move on to your next question. Uh right. well another question someone's asking you know uh so this tornado is asking what made you develop for the R for the 351V when initially nobody wanted to touch the thing. That would be exactly why because I like a challenge and the fact that nobody else wanted to do it motivated me more to do it. Which is kind of funny because now it's more popular than the 350P, the 351P, or the 351M. Yeah, exactly. Also, I mean, when I got the device, and I I was very underwhelmed with the stock OS, but just holding the device in my hand and playing with it, I grew up as a kid playing the original Game Boy. Mm -hmm. So I have a very soft place for that. That was my first handheld device. That was the first time I played Metroid or Tetris or Mario or any of that stuff. And so that device really hit home for me, and I really felt attached to it right away, and I liked having it, so I wanted it to be as what I wanted it to be. I don't really build OSs to make other people happy, even though that's what ends up happening. I actually do it for myself, and then I just share it. Well, I mean, you are your own harshest critic. So. Exactly. Um, and, and you know what? I also have a soft spot for the original Game Boy. I owned one when I was a kid. Uh, I've, t- I've talked about this before, but, um, you know, I had I had that. I had the Game Boy battery pack. 
of one of those third-party add-ons with the screen magnifier and backlight because the Game Boy didn't have uh, backlight until you got like maybe these one of the special versions, which is I. No, you're cutting out. I'm still here, though. Yeah, you guys can hear me. Yeah, can you get? Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, so I was saying, I had like the I had uh, original Game Boy. I had a, I had a I battery still have pack. One now, actually, I yeah. have the original Game Boy in my cupboard. I wish I still had mine. I miss it. I have a Game Boy Advance too, not the SP, the actual. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had one of those years ago as well. That was uh, the Arctic, uh, the glacier one. That was see through. Yeah, mine's see through. It's I have a purple see. Yeah, uh, I had the. I also had like the add on that basically allowed you to play it via AC, via you know plugging it into your outlet, which was just basically yeah, a battery pack connected to <laughs> a. Uh, <laughs> Connected to a power term, connected to a power plug. So, um, I actually have quite a vast array of console retro consoles, tons of them. So, what's your favorite retro console? Sega Saturn. Oh wow, you didn't miss a beat. Without it, nope. It, definitely my favorite, hands down. So I why? Actually, I don't know if you looked at my website or not recently or last while, but I created a. The Sega Saturn prototype, actually, with a 3D printed case and an OS that was built to show all the box art for the Saturn games and launch. Oh, but, uh, I'm really connected to the Saturn community, not only in the sense that I'm a regular part of the Yabayus community, I know all their developers, but also I know the dev who makes Yabasan Shiro, and I. I grew up playing a lot of Saturn games, and like Bomberman, for example, was a lot of fun. You could have up to 10 people playing that with the apps. And it was the first time you could literally just get a room full of your friends and all sit there and play one game. There could be seven of you, eight of you. Did. Normally, it was just two or four people, and then you were done, right? So it's kind of limited. What you were really? So you could go and play up to 10? Yep. How did, how did that work? Did you have to have multiple... You know, system link devices, or what? Were you basically using no, just a... one system? It's called. It was called a multi-tap. You would plug it into player one, and it would give you five more people. And then you could also buy a specific Bomberman multi-tap that had even more controller plugins. Well, that that'd be like chaos, just playing ten people at once. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, going with the Saturn, I never played the Saturn. I don't really have any, I don't really hold, doesn't hold any nostalgia for me because I had a PlayStation uh, growing You're missing up. Out, though. Saturn Bomberman is the best version of Saturn, or Bomberman, I should say. And it's not just me that thinks that. That's a very widely regarded opinion. I would have to, I'll have to go take a look at it. But um, one of the things I do, do also know is that the Saturn emulation scene is kind of lagged behind uh you know for years compared to other devices and i think it's just the way that the saturn was built is part of the reason up oh, i think we lost him again
All right. Now the Discord's going to leave me alone for five minutes. <laughs> so what I was saying is I think that Sega did that intentionally because they wanted to be cutting edge, and they ended up shooting themselves in the foot because then no third-party developers really knew how to use the Saturn's potential. But if you look at games like the Sonic game or the Knights 3D game, you can really see the what it could be, and it just Sega kind of dropped the ball. Yeah, they they dropped the ball because Knights in the Dreams looks really good, um, but I think it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think that the tech the architecture was almost like a dual core architecture for the Saturn. In a way, yeah, but the Saturn actually has a lot more than two processors. It's got different processors for different tasks. Like the sound chip, for example, is its own processor by itself. It's a, it's a really weird build how they went and did it, but it it did have a lot of power for what it is. In terms of actual graphics, it is better than the PS1. It's just that it doesn't have anywhere near the library. Yeah. And I don't even think that hardware-wise that that was the reason why we weren't seeing that much from it either. I think that you know, Sega of Japan really screwed the, uh, you know, screwed up with uh, how they marketed it, you know, how they handled it. Well, the thing is, they didn't really listen to Sega of America when it came to marketing after the Mega Drive, which was ridiculous because it was Sega of America that had the idea to push Sonic as the mascot that made them so popular in the first place. I mean... Honestly, the Genesis was the only time was uh, that's where most of the competition came from was Sega of America. You know, that's where the Genesis slash Mega Drive, I call it the Genesis because that's what I grew up with. uh, That's where it saw the biggest, you know, where it was actually able to fight Nintendo. Was in the U.S. gonna have your work cut out for you editing this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i'm still we're, i'm still editing the uh, the previous one you know at that point i might just say here here you go warts and all <laughs> um no i uh, i don't know if you heard my last part but i was saying that i think that sake of japan really you know dropped the ball too with uh yeah you were saying no actually we were talking about that you said that they didn't listen to sake of america yeah, I think that was a bad decision on their part. I, and then it, they kind of doubled down on it and just dropped the Saturn on its ass and moved on to the Dreamcast and expected everybody that they just burned on the Saturn and on the 32X to just keep buying their stuff, and that was a bad idea. Because I, even though the Dreamcast is an amazing console, it did terrible because nobody trusted Sega. Yeah, and, and really I think it was just because it was a – it was, I think, jealousy, to be honest. You know, um, some people might say that, uh, you know, because I, I'm not going to say that Sega of America is blameless. Uh, you know, look at the no. 32X. Hated you know, that they device. Did it to themselves. Yeah. Both with the Saturn and the 32X, they put a bad taste in people's mouths and then expected them to buy their last ditch effort console when it just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but if you think about it, though, the Dreamcast was actually the first console to ship with some form of internet connectivity natively built into the console. Oh, yeah. 28K modem built in, 6K, depending on where you were. 
It was the first console to go and support an MMO. That too, yeah. It actually still works to this day. You can play Fantasy Star online. Oh, I oh, I know. I actually sold my uh, actually sold a Raspberry Pi to someone who was using the Raspberry Pi as a um, I think uh, to go and help connect to Fantasy Star Online on their Dreamcast. You know what they should be doing? If they just read some documentation, then they would know that Flycast emulates the modem, and any device they can run Flycast, you can play online from there. He he's doing it with an actual Dreamcast. Yeah, that's that's how I do it too. But that's just because I wanted to. It's a whole lot of unnecessary work if all you want to do is play the game. Well, I mean, some people are willing to go through that work. I'm not yeah, one like, of them, but you know, I can also, you know, admire someone who goes through that effort. Also, um, in terms of tornado here, um, actually, I should probably let you read the question before I answer it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, but I did want to add something on this, though. Um, I did grow up with the Genesis, though. I still have fond memories of Sega, because that was my first console. That and the Game Boy were my first consoles. And I had all the really and I had all the really good Son- uh, Sega games. So Sonic 1, 2, 3, oh, Sonic and Knuckles, Aladdin for Genesis. Um, I had Streets of Rage 2. Um, what else did I have? I think I had Turtle Champions at one point. I don't know if I'd call Turtle Champions really good. Up oh, there you go. You know, when I leave to come back to make Discord let me talk, you can just keep talking and nobody will have any idea that that has happened. <laughs> yeah, unless they're actually looking. <laughs> yeah, but later when you play the recording, nobody will know that if they're not. Oh, oh, well, man, I got to go and edit this out then. <laughs> what I was going to say is I'm going to challenge you on you saying you have all the had all the best Mega Driver Genesis games. I had some of the best ones, not all of them. Because in my opinion, the best Genesis game is probably Mutant League Football or Mutant League Hockey. I know that's a good one. I have I never played it, but um, I know that's a very popular one. Earthworm um, Jim was also really good, and so was yeah, Boogerman. I, I had, uh, well, Earthworm Jim, yes. Boogerman... I don't know. I, I, like I, I think it was just trying to be super gross out. That's why I liked it, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but now, that being said, again, you know, Earthworm Jim was good because Dave Perry worked on it, who also worked on right. Cool Spot, which is one oh, of the cool very... Oh, Cool Spot's another really good game. Yeah. Again, Dave Perry worked on it, so, you know, for being an advertisement as a game, it's a very good game. My experience with video games actually goes further back than even consoles, really. Like, I, as a very small child, I remember growing up playing on an old green dotted screen Macintosh where the floppy disks were actually floppy, and they mm-hmm. were just these massive things. You'd play, like, Excite Bike or whatever it was called, and you would just be seeing this, like, little motorcycle move on a green dotted screen ever so quietly, and the speaker was actually inside the computer. Oh, Yeah. Yep, PC speaker. I used to play some of the old DOS games that also use PC speaker. Uh, my school, elementary school, also had some of the old Apple machines, so Apple IIs, so we played some of that. Uh, Number Muncher was one of a favorite of mine. Uh, what else was there that I had? I had... Um, let's see. I did not have... I had Oregon Trail... But no, I, I 
Yeah, Yukon Trail for the Power Mac. Oregon Trail was one of the very first games I remember playing that had a GUI, like an actual graphic. And XCOM. XCOM was one of the flow. Well, that well, XCOM's definitely still being made. Actually, one of my one of my childhood favorite games. There's several of them actually, but uh, Stam and Max hit the road. That was good. Awesome That's a good one. I also really liked Day of the Tentacle. I still do actually, and uh, Grim Fandango. I had that when it was first released. I think it was like 2000 or 9 something like that. Hmm. I- I'm noticing a trend here. Right. Yeah, I'm a really big fan of like a lot of the scum games as well, like Monkey Island. Yep, those were very good on there. I, you know which one I was actually playing recently? What's uh, it's it's not scum. It's but it <laughs> runs on the scum VM. But uh, it's called uh, Toonstruck. What's that about? So it is. You might have also heard of another game called Stay Tuned, maybe? Yeah, I've heard of that. Simil- I think it's kind of similar to that, but um, here's the thing. Uh, Toonstruck had a really good all-star cast. Christopher Lloyd yeah. is the main person. Yeah, there's a good lineup there. Yeah, uh, and then a lot of good voice actors on that um, as well. It is a surprisingly not kid-friendly game when you get into it <laughs> uh, when you get like deeper into it but um, essentially Christopher Lloyd plays as an animator for this uh, TV show and he gets transported into the world because they're trying to go and kill off all this cute stuff while we're actually on the subject of old retro games I should mention that uh, Shenmue 1, 2, and 3 are actually on the Playstation Oh, the PS4 and 5 I think I paid like $13 Canadian for Shenmue 1 and 2, so it should be like $10 American. What else did I... Uh, you you want a good one? Um, I played the original... I played like the uh, remake of the R- Rise of the Rise of the Triad because I was a big I fan of the old Apogee game. games. Yeah, I like those games. Yeah. I like um, Open Bore for stuff like that, too, Beats of Rage. I, I'd... I don't really play the open beats of Rage, even though I'm a big fan of Streets of Rage 2. However, I have played on the 350 the Streets of Rage uh, remake. What you need to do is play the uh, Streets of Rage from the Genesis, but use the new, newly compiled GX Plus course. So you can use MSU1. Then it, it literally has like CD audio soundtrack and music to the game, which is awesome. Really? Yep. Okay, I might have to do that. Now, it works with Streets of Rage 2? It works with all of the games from Genesis. You can literally just... If you if it doesn't have a file already there, you can just make your own. And it loads the CD audio instead. It's WAV files. I want to ta- talk about that uh, offline a little bit more, because now I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested in there, because I love Streets of Rage 2. The soundtrack... Have you ever heard of Stray, Stray Fox? He's a YouTube he makes YouTube videos. Uh, Stray Fox uh, made a. It makes history of the game. History of the games. Uh, one of the examples is Streets of Rage Two. Yeah, that's so, really good. Yeah, and they really get into how like they designed the sound, for example, because the soundtrack is awesome. 
While we're talking about beat em ups, actually, I want to throw a shout out out there for a certain game that a lot of people really don't know exists. It's called uh, Jay and Silent Bob's Mall Brawl. <laughs> it was actually released on cartridge a couple of years ago, and it's online as well, but I'm not going to tell you where, obviously. But it's literally Jay and Silent Bob in a beat em up game, and it's really cool. <laughs> I don't know about really? that. I love Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, I like Jay and Silent Bob stri- Strikes Back. I wasn't a big fan of the original Clerks. But, it was all right back in the 90s, but I mean, it just doesn't hold up with time well. Yeah, but the Clerks too, though. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> did, did they did they shock you on that one? Wow, that movie uh, was hilarious. Yeah, I really like Dogma as well, but that's got like Do- Alan Rickman. It's got Chris Rock. Yeah, and uh, Matt Damon, and of course, you I know mean, Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, you know, which uh, they've been big. They've been uh, in a lot of those View Askew movies. Yeah, they have. It's pretty impressive the kind of like celebrity fans that Jay and Silent Bob have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I would actually almost say that he got they got their start on it. Yeah, pretty much. You know, Ball Rats, if I recall. Yeah, that was like Ben Affleck's first movie or one of his very first movies too, actually. Yeah. I think that really, really got into, you know, he also became a more household name once he got into uh, Goodwill Hunting. Well, yeah, but like more what I mean is that he just didn't really forget his original friends and people who first oh, yeah. helped him his foot in the door. He kept going back and making movies with his friends. Yeah. Yeah. Dogma, though. I, I love Dogma as its own standalone movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, you could watch it and never have seen any other of the movies, and you would just be able to watch it by itself. Yeah, because it's not. Yeah, it's not required. No. Uh, while I would go and say, like watching Jay and Silent Bob, it might be helpful to watch, you know, uh, the Clerks, for example, because that's kind of where they first appear. Um, I guess going on. I guess we should probably get on, move on to the next yeah, question. Probably. probably yeah. get back on topic for a little while. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so, uh, this, this tornado also asks, do you think Android has a future with retro handhelds? There are tons of cheap phones with amazing specs and they run emulators really well, like the Poco, which runs Dolphin and Citra really well while being really cheap. Or is this the case of manufacturers using chips easily and cheaply available to them? Well, I think that if manufacturers would give devices a bit more CPU and a bit more RAM, Android would definitely have a future because it works better with a lot of things, like game streaming, for example. It works better on Android. Dolphin works better on Android. Citra works better on Android. 3DO emulation works better on Android. There's a lot of emulators. The thing about Android that people don't realize is that its user base is millions and millions of people. Because even though we're using it in a very narrow scope for emulation on a handheld, almost everyone that doesn't have an iPhone is using Android on their phone. So the number of developers that are, exist for it, they're very numerous, and they're all over the world. So yeah. it, it just has a lot more. Yeah, actually, you know what? Uh, Yaomi, if I said the name correctly, is just overtook uh, Apple as the number two smartphone manufacturer. And they only release Android phones. Yeah, Android is very popular because of the fact that it's completely open source. Like, even though a manufacturer like, say, Samsung can put their own proprietary stuff in there, you're in no way stuck with it. 
You know what I mean? Once your warranty ends, you can just root your phone, install a recovery menu, flash whatever you want onto your phone, and you can do whatever you want with it. There's no limit. There's no locks on it. Well, so much more developer friendly fault. At I mean, the end, for the, the end user, there's much more. It's not for the end user, but for developers, you can literally do whatever you want. Yeah, but it's definitely not becoming as much of a friendly option for end users. I think nowadays because of all the stuff that requires in the back end, you know, if you want to well, use thing, like, Android for the most part, the way that it's meant to be built is that it should put most of the stuff that's a real pain onto the developer. Like if anything's not working in terms of drivers, if anything's not working in terms of dependencies or if the Wi-Fi connection is not working, that's always something the dev did wrong. It's never something the end user did and it's never something that they could break also. Which is an important thing, I think. You can't break Android when you're just running the OS unless you just corrupt your card somehow. Mm. But you can't install drivers, so therefore you can't break things. And you can't really modify the system too much, so therefore you can't break things. Yeah, and you have to be able to go and get access to those developer tools to be able to break things. Exactly. Most yeah. end users just wouldn't do that, nor would they know how, even if they But it's not that hard to learn how to work on Android. It's just that takes a lot of time, but it's not hard to do. you got to remember a lot of detail. So, uh, I guess we'll move on to another question here. Um, what well, are your... To answer the last part of his question, the yeah. manufacturer is using chips that are cheaply available is a huge problem. That's how we ended up with the RK3326 having 50,000 clones. It's unnecessary to use this cheap of chipsets over and over and over. The first couple of devices, it made sense. But at this point, I'm going to go on the record of saying that releasing more RK3326 devices is just beating a dead horse. There's no point. There's so many of them. Yeah, yeah. There's been like, you know, when we were looking at what was the, the, the J devices that the 350 was based off of, which was based off of GCW0. Right, yeah, the MIPS devices. Yeah, which is actually kind of funny because the 